This is TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 8, Hide and Seek. Welcome back, fellow Trekkies, Trekkers, everything in between. In the immortal words of some song, just I'm going to get it out there really early. Hey, La Serena. All right. Hey. Yes, you are listening to TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 9, Hide and Seek. I'm one of your hosts, Chris, and I'm joined by the illustrious crew of TV Podcastica. Yes, yes, we are here. That it doesn't sound, it sounds like a ship. I'm trying to turn TV podcast industries into a ship, but it does, it doesn't really work. TV yeah. podcast, I guess, I think is probably something as well. It is, yes. That's, uh, that's Jason Cabassi's, um, podcast network, uh, Podcastica. Uh, Jason oh, Cabassi, who, who joined us for one of our podcasts before. Um, but that's I, why I've heard it. <laughs> but I am one of your other hosts, Derek, and I'm really sorry to our fellow Trekkies and Trekkers for putting, um, Macarena into Chris's head just before we started recording. <laughs> hey, last Serena. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Hello there, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. I am one of your other hosts, John. Yes, I. much like the boring assimilation, I am back for this episode. Mm. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, Welcome back. The penultimate episode of uh, Star Trek Picard Season 2. Um, there are only three seasons of this show, as we know, so uh, not many episodes overall left. Only 11 episodes left of uh, of the show overall. So we're way more than halfway through uh, and are going into the end of this season as well. Yes, we certainly are. We, it feels quite like we're going into the end of a mid-season arc. Mm. Um, or... Anyway, we have lots to discuss on this episode, Mm -hmm. where we feel as we get into the end of this season. Literally, we are less than an hour away from the end of season two, and I have thoughts. Your maths Um, is so (laughs) weird. You've done this before on Moon Knight as well. I I love the way you you consider we're only an hour away when we've got a week left to wait for it and a podcast to record about it. (laughs) We're only an hour away from the end of the season. An hour of viewing of content. (laughs) I know. It just always catches me by surprise when you say something like that because i'm like but we have a whole like week full of hours to wait for the end of the season <laughs> um much much like uh, many great authors of the yesteryear i am great with words and swillowcays and everything and the narrative <laughs> structure and form of i'm not great at talking no 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 not soliloquies especially in the there way. you go i love that you got yes. soliloquies right, yeah. right the second time you said it yes <laughs> exactly but i'm good with the prose it's just not when it comes to mathematics and mm-hmm. the, the, the the definition of the universe and time and space. Things get timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly. But we're not here to talk about timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly and everything in between. We're here to talk about Star Trek. We are here to talk about this penultimate episode, mm-hmm. Hide and Seek. So, gentlemen, I think we should just jump straight in. First up, as always, Derek, do you want to tell us who gave us what? 
Absolutely. This episode was written by Matt Ukamura and Chris Derrick. Uh, Matt was a story ed- editor on this season of Picard and previously wrote an episode of Smallville way back in 2003, which is I thought was really fascinating. It's been a long time uh, since he has an episode credit. Um, Chris Derrick uh, is a staff writer on this season of the show, and this is his first episode credit for Star Trek Picard. Was this a joint writing of, uh, mm. sort of thing for you and Chris? It was. It's, Chris, it's, it's our Chris pen name. <laughs> Let's see whether we did a good job uh, with our <laughs> with our discussion at the, by the end of the episode. Uh, the episode was directed by Michael Weaver. Uh, his first Star Trek episode, uh, previously done lots and lots of TV shows, including The Midley Project, Good Girls, and Little Fires Everywhere as well. Lots of uh, lots of drama and comedy in there. Interesting. Mm. That is actually that that is interesting. Yeah. Uh, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for? The penultimate episode of Star Trek Picard, Season 2, Episode 9, Hide and Seek. Sure. The Borg Queen, Soong, and the drones beam to La Serena, while Picard, Talon, Raffi, and Seven beam to Chateau Picard, and are joined by Raffi, Teresa, and Ricardo, who have escaped La Serena. Surrounded by drones, the group are pinned down. In the ensuing gunfight, Rios is injured and is transported, along with Teresa and her son, to safety at Talon's apartment. Agnes's consciousness blocks the Queen from the ship's systems and stalls her using a fractal lock in the form of an Elner security hologram. Having split up to get to La Serena, Seven and Raffi arrive at the ship and try to use the ship against the Queen, but Seven is mortally wounded. Meanwhile, back in the chateau, Picard and Talon escape from Sung and the drones in the tunnels beneath the house. Picard recalls his mother having a mental break while they were playing hide-and-seek in the tunnels when he was a boy, after which she ended her own life. Discussing this with Talon helps Picard come to terms with it, but soon catches up with him and corners them in the conservatory where Picard's mother killed herself, but Rios beams back and forces him to flee. Back in La Serena, with Seven bleeding out, Agnes pleads with the Borg Queen to save Seven and to have compassion. Agnes convinces her to build a new, more resilient Borg collective through salvation rather than assimilation, to truly become a new Borg queen. The new queen heals Seven by adding her to the collective and then departs in La Serena for the Delta Quadrant, leaving a message for Picard. There must be two versions of René, one who will fly the Europa mission and one who will die. Yes, and I guess we'll find out what that means next week. Uh, that's kind of the cliffhanger of the episode, uh, is uh, what does that message mean from the Borg Queen to Picard, right? Yeah. And only one man can solve that riddle. Exactly. Mm, the riddle. Jean-Luc. Oh, sorry. That's it. I, I was just wondering whether this was almost like the creation of the Mirror Universe or something, that there's the two possibilities. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that that's kind of how I sort of felt it might go, hmm. but uh, who knows? Yeah, it's it, it, it's an interesting cliffhanger to leave on, especially when you've essentially rewritten the history, potentially rewritten the history of the Borg. Now, yes, for the for for all that is, um, and all that can ever be going forward of the Star Trek universe. Yes. Okay, they're so, effectively saying you have to create this fork in the road where both the good thing happens and the bad thing happens to enable this situation to happen. Is that is that what it is? Because yeah. the Borg Queen wouldn't have been able to come back here if that timeline hadn't been exactly, created. Yeah, exactly. And they need to restore the original timeline to get back to uh, the future of the Federation. Yeah. So and and it also, as well, 
does confirm the theory we had earlier on in the series that the steampunk Borg Queen is Agnes. Yes, is is this uh, Bugatti? I guess um, Borgatti. Oh, I like Bugatti. it. Yes, I like it. Oh my God, she is the car. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, she is the car. She just say like, she's a transformer now. That's it. She just kind of goes over and turns into a really high end sports vehicle and then comes back up as a machine. Yeah, <laughs> but so, we are kind of jumping to the end of the episode. Let's get back to our normal structure and normal points of the episode. Let's start with our small moment or general order for the episode. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll kick off. Um, it's it's just the visual, to be honest. I loved um, the visual of all the Borg drones kind mm-hmm. of transporting into the vineyard to surround the chateau yeah. where Picard and the gang are sort of have transported to uh, as well. Yeah. I, I found it a little weird that they weren't transported to La Serena for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not too sure why that happened but i know you know they've had a bit of a faulty power issue going on with the ship i just really liked the pan back that showed all these uh, borg drones transporting in and then just the laser sights that are green yes instead of red just gradually coming on and focusing on the shadow i just thought that was a really classy image it was, um, it? and yeah. shot yeah. That, that was done yeah uh, really gave that sense of them sort of being pinned down and surrounded mm. uh, so that that's basically my my very small point yeah and um, yeah i just thought it was a nice nice establishing shot yeah. it was classy and just that that blacking you know the darkness of, of the the night mm-hmm. with all these uh laser sights uh firing up from the borg drones yeah and i love it as well because you're so used to borg drones from right back to star trek next generation when they were first introduced that idea of the of that laser sight going through kind of a foggy or misty uh thing it's just yeah. one of those cool things that clearly someone in the special effects department or the uh the background team thought this is a look cool coming out of the darkness this red light through through a foggy scene and now we have it with the green laser sights it took me a second to realize what was happening i thought they'd all been uh, all become proper borg drones exactly like we've seen in the past but yeah. uh, but this is just the laser sights on their guns replacing the uh, the red sight um, but they're effectively they're transported into the vineyard to protect the outside of the la serena but we do see a few borg going aboard with the borg queen yes aboard la serena. absolutely yeah. and interestingly as well with this because you know we're so used to borgs adapting to modulate or modify mm-hmm. in response to uh phaser fire yes but i guess a bullet to the brain um you can't really modulate against that well they're modulating shields so i presume the shields would block a bullet that's, if that's true if they okay. eventually get to that point where they're able to but they're not able those, to but they don't have that moment. yet that's yeah the they don't point, have that technology yeah. yet this is just really basic um Borg drones. They have yeah. no augments, really, other than what's been transferred in by the Borg Queen to them at the end of the last episode. So on this one, I, I thought it was really cool. I loved it. I, I loved yeah. the green, blah, blah, blah. The one I did was just like, but why did, did she, like, when she took over her code for the transporter, she just, like, did the customization that, like, she yeah. pimped out her transporter mm-hmm. just with the green? And then, because the same way uh, Laris has 
the smoke yeah. transporter. It's just like it's a it's an it's an extra detail like that you just kind of customization that you buy like when you kind of a premium bit when you upgrade. Oh, you know you do that if you're if you're a coder, Chris. You know you make sure that, that code is is representative of who you are as okay. the coder that did it. You got to leave your exactly. stamp behind. Okay, it, you know? <laughs> it was just I was just like that was the only one. I was like okay, so so she has show and it's great. I was like hmm, okay, I I get it that it's literally green. Green Borg, I, mm-hmm. I understand that. It was just like, yeah, but she doesn't have, like, it's not a Borg system yet. It's still the La Serena's transporter. I was like, okay, I get it. But, yeah. eh, but anyway. we did we did see that when, when Gerati put the code in, or Gerati possessed by the Borg Queen originally. We saw her put the code into La Serena to take over, uh, over it, and we saw the systems change at that time to kind of reflect this, green, uh, this yes. Borg coming in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Uh, but yeah, overall establishing beautiful shot to mm-hmm. kind of see there. Um, and wow, does she have a lot more troops than she had at the end of last episode? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and now again, we we've talked about it before. Clearly, COVID played a part in quite a lot of the filming of this of this show. So when we saw three or four people at the end of last episode, I think it was six troops or seven troops we saw there. That's supposed to represent that she had an army of troops, but yeah. uh, but clearly it's much easier to represent that during COVID filming with a few lights out in the field saying there's there's 50 or 60 troops here, you know? So, um, so clearly that's the way they've done it. <laughs> yeah, no. And it, it looked, it looked, it looked cool. Mm-hmm. I have to say, like yeah. it, it didn't look too CGI'd, which I, I did fear, and with some of the shots previously, kind of mm. because it's that dark, they, it, it's dark France and you can kind of get away with it. I thought they'd just kind of overkill it, but no, it, it overall looked pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to move on and jump in at this point into kind of what my kind of point on this one, mm-hmm. which was, um, I think the World War II tunnels and the secret entrance that still works these years later since World War II. Um, mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll say like 70 years maybe, yeah. um, since the creation. And then Picard's very strange narrative around <laughs> explaining the World War II. Also, there's live ammunition in there, by the way. Mm-hmm. Did anyone see yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. There's still a load of rockets. <laughs> I was okay. like, there's uh, rocket propelled grenades right. like just sitting there on the shelf i was like yeah he 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 picked up a gun mm-hmm. but didn't pick up the big rocket propelled grenade which would have been so much more like action hero picard yes. that just like pick it up yeah that doesn't yeah. feel like picard though doesn't no, it a, a, I, I think a luger if, or a small gun feels like picard i think if yeah. the rock played picard <laughs> then he probably would pick up the the RPG, yeah, I guess. Yes. Well, that would be a very different show, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but of course, the entrance still works because the entrance works when his mother uses it a couple of hundred years later. So of course, that that uh, little ability where uh, they twist the side of the library bookcase yes. uh, and it opens the door. Yeah, this is what you're going to have in your house, Chris, isn't it? I, it is. Yeah. I have always wanted a secret bookcase door. Yeah. I've just it's just. It's something that's always just lived in my brain, rent free. Mm-hmm. And when I saw this, I was like, oh yeah. and it'd be amazing um but there is that weird moment isn't there is that we were talking about it before we started recording there is that weird moment where um talon says to picard what is this place because she's seen it when she was inside his mind and she knows exactly what this place is but she needs to know from picard the detail behind it effectively she's been in this location in his mind and picard goes um 
these were World War Two tunnels where they stored loads of <laughs> ammunition. And she's kind of going, that's not what I meant, Picard. Give me the detail of this story that we've been trying to uncover for days now. Um, but it is a really odd moment, I thought. It felt like someone in the writers' room had spent a lot of time researching the mm-hmm. like the historical aspect of like <laughs> understanding in France during World War Two how they could yeah. have this bunker and these tunnels, and they were like, "I'm going to put this research to use." Absolutely, God this damn is it. going in the episode, even <laughs> yeah. if it doesn't matter. And I suppose, I suppose you could probably say Picard doesn't want to talk about this situation. Picard wants to hide this situation in his yeah. mind, so it's a way of. Keeping it off for a little bit longer, I suppose. No, hundred percent. It yeah. was just, it was just, it was a very noticeable, like, what the huh? Yeah. And it, it, as you explain, that is the reason, and that is you, you understand that. But it's just much more fun to think that some like young, like writing assistant. Well, I, I don't know this work. Can I at least just get something in here? <laughs> um, but it, it, look, it looked cool, mm-hmm. and it, like these are things that did ha- happen, and yeah. there are still those tunnels. Yeah. Uh, in uh, in France, across the the, the, the kind of countryside, mm-hmm. so I like that they have incorporated this quite well, and w- how they look, how it looked, and there was still a functioning weapon down there for him that allowed him to escape. Exactly, exactly. What about yourself? Um, my small moment from the episode, just because I want to keep this as small and short as possible, is just <laughs> Rios's side of the story because we're still getting the love story with himself and yeah. Teresa. Um, it, it, it's another one of those weird ones. He's supposed to be our action hero character for the show. That's what he's always felt like. And he's the first one shot, transported away, and then locked away uh, with um, Teresa and her son so they can have their moment where she says to him what we know has been going through the storyline since the beginning of the season. What if your future Rios is here in 2024 and not back where you live, where you're a captain of a starship um, with loads of crewmates? Um they are building this up that this is what's going to happen. And by the end of the episode, they have no way back home, I suppose. Um, but Rios does yeah. shut it down. He says, I'm here to protect the future. I'm here to uh, make sure the future is safe for you and your son and everybody here on Earth. Um, I, I did like the idea that, that at least it's coming through that she really wants him to stay. I liked the way Teresa said, um, yeah, there's enough heroes in the future. You can stay with me. You know, that it, it's kind of coming through a little bit more that this relationship is a bit more meaningful. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm done with this. We need to move on because we've known that this is what where it, the storyline yeah. was going with them since the first introduction of Teresa. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in agreement to this. Like it, it I, I it's sweet. It's fun. Mm. It's slightly overplayed. Yeah, yeah. it's the. One, it's now about three scenes too many. Yeah. Um, and there's, cause they're saying the same thing. Like that, that cute two episodes ago, last episode, where they had it, were on La Serena and mm. they had the cafe scene. It was cute, mm. cutesy. Tell me you're, you're like, like, uh, your husband were about to have, I want an affair. It's cutesy in a very weird way. Yeah. But it's cutesy. Like that's all you need. Like that, yeah. that sh- it should, like, even that felt a bit over, mm-hmm. but it was just like, okay, well, you're telling it in a, you're giving the kid cake. I get it. Fine. We're down. Okay. Now we're, we're moving on because yeah. she got the kiss. Yeah. And I then did. like we got this one and it was the secondary and it was yeah. like, they, as he transports away, even with the, I, is that like, I'm going to stay. I love you. Yeah. And then he goes, and now he's straight back again. And he's like, nope, I'm back to the mission at hand. And you're like, yeah. oh, God. 
But, yeah. but not only that, he transported away to go back and save La Serena to continue on with his mission, effectively saying goodbye, I'll never see you again. La Serena's gone, so he's going to see her again in episode 10. So they've done this twice now. Last episode, yeah. as you say, that moment with the cafe was her saying goodbye, I need more information for my mind to remember you well. Then he sees her again this episode and does yeah. the same thing. And then next episode, clearly he's going to be going, well, I have no shit now. Can I borrow your car? <laughs> or something. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. personally, for me, this is like, firstly, why wouldn't Teresa want to just go into the future, quite frankly? Mm-hmm. Be a damn sight easier without ice and and all that. Nonsense. Absolutely, and she can clearly use all the medical equipment as well. E- exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, and well, she took she took to the tricorder like a Doctor Water, mm-hmm. which was uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, like I guess a doctor to, to medical use. equipment. Yes. But um, I mean, for me, just very quickly because I, I don't really want to dwell yeah. on it either. I mean, and maybe I'm just going to be a little brutal, but I just feel like uh, Rios totally underserved in in this series it's a real shame i think it really shows i think you mentioned it derek and um when i thought about it Mm -hmm. that this was their bubble for the filming was these three uh characters primarily and were you know he's been kept separate from raffi and and Mm -hmm. seven uh, and picard and uh, and all that you know you you think of the relationship he had with Agnes, yep, and um, that could have just been explored so much better with her being the bug, you know, with this Bugatti at the moment. Yeah, um, and it, I, I, I mean, I, the only thing I'd say is I do like, like you mentioned just before, Derek. I, I like the fact that you know there is that moment where it's about the future or staying mm-hmm. in the past uh, for that, but I just feel it could have been done just all together yeah. i think this series has just split this group way too much yeah. for me yeah. um and i loved their cohesiveness in the first series Absolutely. um and that's what i've kind of missed here um to be honest um uh the the group dynamic of, of um these it, it comes in sporadically but to uh, me rios has just been totally underserved and this this uh th- this whole bit is um has just been drawn out or just structured in a way that yeah. feels totally isolated from anything else going on um and a little bit forced yeah quite frankly and you know what's even more annoying santiago cabrera who plays the role of rios he played five characters last season yep didn't he he was four mm. four holograms and rios like that's how much he was able to do on the show last season and much he's contributed. And this season it has literally just been running around with this woman from 2024 and declaring whether he's in love with her or not, or whether he wants to stay in this time or go back to being the captain of a starship. Remember that's his job in the future. He's the captain of a starship with a whole crew dependent on him. And it's whether he'll stay back here in 2024. That, side of it doesn't seem to come out at all it's really just whether he wants to stay with his new this new woman or not but he's got such a big role in starfleet in the future and it's not being put on screen he's such a good actor they're giving him practically nothing to do and and i mean you know given what has been discussed previously it's Mm. like he has no identity papers he's got no birth certificate he (laughs) can't prove any of his existence so she's asking him to stay on so he's eternally being chased by ice and possibly deported. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, with the exception of 
forged documents. I get it. They do that. But I, I just feel like, I, I think the biggest thing for me on this yeah. point was when he came in and saved Picard uh, and Talon right at the end. Mm-hmm. And he says, a thank you would have been nice. And I think that is the thing for me is that Picard, this charismatic leader, which we saw with mm-hmm. him in uh, with Rene um, at the gala, and yet it feels like there's a a gulf of, has developed between Picard and this new crew mm. uh, in this season because it says a thank you would have been nice. It's all you know. Whereas at the start of it, he was, you know, him and Picard were just felt closer and it feels like there's been this drift and of course i just don't see that playing out as to the implications of that which if it had done that would be that would at least serve the what i'm feeling from Mm, this so um yeah yeah it's a tough one and i think we'll look as we wrap up this season i think we'll we'll be able to kind of dive a lot more into the the whys and what and the hows because we are said picard was like a father figure to me Mm -hmm. A strange father. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but let's move on to like some of the other points on this episode. So should we move on to our, our uh, Omega directive, the medium moment? Um, well, for me, um, I'll kick this off. And uh, uh, one of the other things I really enjoyed about this, because I've missed the presence of Elnor, mm-hmm. is getting holographic Elnor. Um, yeah. I love this whole thing, um, you know, where where it came from with 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 Agnes mm-hmm. uh, using him as a fractal key to lock the Borg Queen out of La Serena to, to effectively stall her rather than to stop her. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I just thought this was really good uh, having him back. You know, his... You got the action of him taking out the two drones really efficiently with mm-hmm. the gun. Hence, why I was asking about the gun whether mm-hmm. you know potentially um, that they, they, they could modulate so that uh, you know a physical bullet wouldn't um, wouldn't be uh, an issue for right. them. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know he he finds his sword as well from That's his so quad cool. lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. Love time, that. which was just great. He himself is. Playing hide and seek on La Serena mm-hmm. um, to yeah. to dodge the Borg Queen, just a great takedown of the remaining drones yeah. with his with his sword before sort of doing the the hero leap off the sort of mezzanine part of the the ship. You realize how um, much you miss him when he's on screen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really, really good. You know, I know it's your point, but let alone the relationship with with Rafi as well. Mm-hmm. That aspect of this. So I just really kind of. Was glad to see fractal holographic Elnor yes. uh, yeah. back here, even though he does get sort of phased out by uh, <laughs> the Borg Queen at the end, really quickly. Um, yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Now, I, I love the little touches here. You know, I mentioned in the the first points a minute ago about Rios and how many characters he was playing last season. All uh, emergency holograms. We have Elnor here as the emergency combat hologram. So I like again this call back to season one of Picard that Lacerano is equipped to effectively crew its entire ship full of different types of holograms. So that's a nice little touch uh, back to, to season one. Um, Elner's great though. Really, really, really like him yeah. uh, here. There's also uh, the fact that he's a hard light hologram as well. We saw in the, I think the first episode we saw the, um, the tactical version of Rios 
who was in the fight, who was able to be soft light where things would pass through him and then turn to hard light yeah. uh, so that he could hit someone in the face effectively. So uh, so this version of Elnor is much more realistic and he has the armband um, like the emergency me- medical hologram on uh, Voyager had to show that he can get on and off the ship if if needs be. So um, I, lo- I love their little touches there. Yeah. So uh, they're very good at making sure this stuff all fits with how Star Trek works, I of think, course. Yeah, yeah, and I think the other interesting thing was that he came back as a holographic security officer, and in that flashback previous from one of the previous episodes where Raffi has that flashback to mm-hmm. uh, her and Elnor discussing about whether he would go back to the Quatmalot for a year rather than Starfleet, he, he mentions he... Re- he doesn't feel the security officer is something for right. him. And yeah. um, so I, I kind of like that little touch. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I, I loved Elnor. I loved, like we have, we said, we haven't really got the action hero that is Rios. Um, so we got this kind of young kind of ass kicking Elnor. And I've missed him throughout this kind of season because yeah. he is that, he is that, yeah, he he he's the ass kicker. He can kind of like he we saw him in episode two um, when they were in the Confederation, kind of that fantastic scene with him and Rafi in the uh, trying to take down the shield mm-hmm. where he's like taking the beating and then she's like, okay, go do it. And he's like, his smile just a beam goes on his face. Yeah, and you see it do it this hide and seek. Let's play hide and seek. Yeah, which Riley says, and he like goes, all right, let's have fun because mm-hmm. you can have that with this character. So when they brought him back as a hard light, and like you said, he had the armband, I went, oh, cool. So we're losing Dratty for the next few bits. So then they're going to give us Elnor back now as a hard light kind of hologram who can kind of grow as this hologram piece. And we're going to get the him over the next couple of episodes, maybe into next season. Mm. I was like, cool. That's, that's a nice. Way to kind of, we, you lose him, but you bring him back in a different way because exactly. you've lost this other. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> he is now on, unless, unless he is going to be the, uh, an additional character for Jurati in the future. If yeah. we see Jurati as a point of view for her as this new Bergati, um, going forward, but I don't think it's going to happen. So I was just, I was a bit like, oh, so they, that, it's this wet wisp, wetting your whistle. It's just like giving you this taste yeah. of something. And you're like, oh, I like what you're doing here. Exactly. It's fun. And then they just kind of went, no, that's something that's sidelined for something different coming forward. Well, that's it. I mean, because ultimately as well, Elna's physical body has just been gone. Gone. And yeah. so I'm wondering, is are we going to get Borg Elnor um, oh, no. or, or, or something as well? No, he's already dead. So. I, I know he is, yeah. but you never... I mean, I just don't know what is going to happen here because yeah. it's Star Trek. I mean, like... Uh, so I, there's part of me thinking, so is that Elnor absolutely gone? Are they going to be able to do a holographic, as you say, in season three, just because the the data is somehow there in the system, mm. uh, will the Borg have done something that brings him back to life? Um, because you know Borg Queen can do some pretty nifty stuff, uh, it, it, and given him the choice, you know, to to be saved or or to 
to stay dead or come or, back as Borg, or, or basically. come back yeah. as Borg right. or something like that. Um, and Maybe. They, are we going to get some kind of Borg El Elnor? Maybe I I would guess something a bit more uh, Borg Borgified, like Seven, where, with sort of minimal implants or mm. something. I just could don't be. know. Could but, be. Um, it seems otherwise. It does feel like um, yeah, like well, that's it. With yeah. Elnor. Mm. Yeah, he could have been the rimmer uh, of this crew from uh, exactly. like, yes. like Red Dwarf. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He could have, he could have been the been one trying awesome. to trying to understand how he can live his life as a hologram when yeah. uh, when he gets flipped on and off uh, yeah. at the end of each day or something to save power. So uh, it could have been that, but uh, just for you Red Dwarf fans uh, out there. <laughs> um, but there are two reasons that, uh, that Elnor is brought back here, John. You talked about one of them, the fact that he's this kick-ass fighter protecting the ship and, and keeping this fractal key away. Uh, my medium moment from the episode, actually, the other side of it, his conversation with uh, with Rafi. It's the other reason he's brought back because Picard is a really hopeful show. There's always moments yes. of hope. There's always yeah. moments where characters are able to develop and learn from their past. And I really like this because Rafi. This is this whole arc of the death of Elnor has been really w- weighing on Rafi since uh, since he died back at the start of the season. We've learned that she pushed him into staying close by her side that she pushed him into going to Starfleet Academy when he wanted to go back and join the Shatvash and here she gets a moment where she's able to confront him with that and apologize to him even though it's not really Elnor Um, and that's all for her own self-healing before she has to go and effectively help Seven yeah. um, and heal Seven. Yeah, She's able to kind of self-heal and I I really like the scene. I know some people don't like shows that are positive all the time but this is something that's fundamental to Star Trek and something that's fundamental to Picard so you kind of have this have to have this moment where if you're never going to see Elnor in the show again if that's if that's the case you have to give Rafi some closure and the closure was done really well I loved having Elnor say to her even though I'm not Elnor I'm just a hologram I'm back here for this purpose I do I did live the last breath of your Elnor and I know it was full of love and no, and no blame towards yeah, you. And I think it was a lovely moment. Really, really well played. That was that was really, really touching. It mm. was really good. And I think, you know, I think the positivity, though, is in Star Trek. It's not trite. It's not mm-hmm. just sugary Greed. Um, stuff. It, it's generally positivity through adversity or challenge yep. or um, difficulties, which... It is kind of it's that positivity. So yeah. it doesn't it doesn't come from a place of just pure that nothing is ever wrong. Exactly, it's not a utopia. It comes yeah. from a where people do lose people that they love, or they mm-hmm. do things wrong. But their their growth or their development, um, it is through how they approach approach that to rectify it mm-hmm. or to learn from it and the, that positive message in that and here it, it's Rafi you know wanting to own what she feels yeah and um, not necessarily what uh, Elna feels and um, to to at least offer that apology to make that and and mm-hmm. um, to have that conversation so that she can move forward yeah. and with in the knowledge that she's been open with Elnor. Yeah, um, exactly. And yeah, I just thought this was really, really good. Yeah, yeah, loved it. For me, it was the it was a nice emotional foil to this episode. 
in that it, it was that beat that has been slowly building for the it's the the beat the growth the the final as you said the the final crescendo of the the story of Rafi for this mm-hmm. yeah um, it's been going throughout the season right right back from episode two so yeah yeah exactly uh, actually you could even argue episode one where it is Picard uh, where we see Rafi and Elnor in Starfleet. Mm. Um, and she is kind of talking, I'm so proud of you, you're about to go beam up to his first kind of post after mm-hmm. graduating. So it started all the way back then, and it's been great to see, I say that sounds quite uh, evil, that it's been great to see this downfall of Rafi and then this growth, mm-hmm. and this forgiveness. But I suppose, look, that's what we're here for. It's story, tragedy, and character growth. Yeah. Um so yeah, and look, I I really I did I personally I did really enjoy this kind of yeah. aspect, this finale, if yeah, you will. Exactly, and if you're going to bring Elnor back, you bring him back for these two big things. You bring him back yes, to exactly. be the action hero that we've missed, and to resolve that Raffi storyline, so she can move on and and provide support for for Seven the way she does as well. Yeah, no, uh, agreed. How about yourself, Chris? What's your medium moment for the episode? I'm going to talk about Sung's slow, slow, inevitable crawl to greatness. <laughs> His march to greatness. Um, it's basically him slowly kind of uh, playing hide and seek with, um, with, uh, Picard and the rest of the, the folks and chasing Picard mm-hmm. until we get him at the, uh, Rios's saving moment, mm-hmm. um, and with it. So I did really enjoy this. I like it is a very, Terminator-esque um, kind of uh, story beat where it's this just inevitable man just coming to kill your kind of or destroy your kind of your hero of the story. So we see him chase Picard mm-hmm. but we also see him just do that Brett Spiner-esque kind of it's just pure Brett Spiner coming through it where it's just this sleazy song kind of yeah. not even sleazy it's this i i i i'm i'm, I'm grasping at the word here yeah. where it's just he's chewing scenery to a big to a large bit here oh yeah where it's just kind of him really kind of pulling kind of i'm going to get you no matter what you say mm. i'm going to be this amazing this greatness i'm going to be this amazing character and when we get in the conservatory where he has that that and he goes to something along the lines of um I I for years I've been chasing or watching uh rats go through the maze and the one way to kind of always beat it is just to go outside mm-hmm. and I'm like yeah that makes sense just go to the end <laughs> yeah, exactly. go to the end of the maze there's no point in chasing them through the maze uh, yeah the best way to catch them is, is draw them outside yeah. yeah um he does make an offer to Picard and his team that they can just give themselves up allow the future to be taken over by the Borg, her to take La Serena and him to achieve his goal. And then they then they can go ahead and live their lives, was the offer. Yeah. yeah. I'm not yeah. too sure whether I believed the offer, though. No, no. It seems no. like an odd offer, because I can kind of see why he would be hunting them down with a whole army full of people, but I don't think I ever believed that he was going to take Picard into custody and then release him immediately afterwards. <laughs> Does that just yeah. feel like a, an odd offer? Yeah, no, um, it, it, it did. It, it didn't feel genuine, mm. but I, I guess, you know, I think um, it may have been, but then, you know, the the stakes are, um, the, the stakes are high here. And I, yeah. I, I liked the bit between Picard and Soong 
where, you know, it, there's Soong's idea of a better future and there's Picard's idea of a better future yeah. Yeah. Uh, that they're both fighting for for very different reasons. One for a very personal mm-hmm. reason with Soong and one for... Um, a, a wider, more collective uh, mm. reason. So yeah. that that was kind of that that was nice. Again, I think with this show, it's like even on the recap coming into this episode, we we see the reaction of Soong to the Borg Queen doing what she does to mm-hmm. get the mercenaries and turning them into to, to drones. Yeah, and yet yeah. here that uncomfortable um, side of it. Gone. It is gone. Is not addressed. Mm. You know, it does he still feel that you know, given that she's then gone and done it to like a hundred other uh, ex-soldiers, does that make him more comfortable, or mm. is he just become comfortable with it because so many have been turned? Yeah. But I mean, ultimately, mm. you know, is there the nagging doubt in the back of his mind that maybe her offer to him isn't entirely true, given that she can. Um, do what she does yep. and control it. So, and the other side of it was just the comedy length of time uh, that takes place uh, before he, he, well, he doesn't manage to kill Picard. But mm. that, to me, was a little bit too long. It's hide and seek, John. Um, hide and, and seek takes a long time, especially <laughs> if somebody's got their home ground. And also, the when did he become a magician? Um, where he could kind of disappear. I was expecting he would be wearing a cloak and he would go, <laughs> as he just suddenly disappeared yeah. after that explosion of the the phaser. phaser. Yeah. So, uh, again, there were just elements there that mm. I was just like, uh, okay. Well, actually, you have converted my thoughts now because you've recounted effectively what happened last episode with Sung. So his offer is genuine to Picard. He is going to capture him and, and free him afterwards because he doesn't trust or is yeah. concerned about what the Borg Queen did to her new drones. Oh, so, so that's, yeah, that's the reason. So okay. Put both of our points together, and I think we've come up with uh, with with soon. Uh, it does lead to my favorite line from the episode. Once again, Patrick Stewart and Brent Spiner together in a scene is fantastic. Oh, yeah, it is. But the line I absolutely loved was the promise of legacy reveals the rot underneath. What a beautifully delivered yeah. line. Uh, really, really like that. This idea that all it takes is someone to promise you that your legacy will live on, and that that dirt and and the evil element of you rises to the surface. I love that. Really yeah, do anything. Exactly. Mm. So this was a crux moment for me, right? So this for me was, and it was one of those where you just talked about it. We have always talked about how much we love Brett Spiner and Patrick Stewart being together. Mm-hmm. The, the, when they, It's very much similar to when you put Q and Picard together. You yeah. get these great, very narrative-based kind of discussions and like that can be kind of very highbrow and theoretical mm-hmm. and the theology pulled in. I thought they might do this where it's like, do you know what? Yeah. If you go this route, you are for, you are thought about for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. If you come back to mine and we go to mine, you aren't, but you're, you're, you create your legacy is, 
your siblings be, or and your your children because your name goes on to become the father of synthetics mm-hmm. and I am part synthetic like is history and then you then you yeah. pull in season one mm. because you pull in his legacy of the synthetics you pull in because I thought what they were doing with that um, recap aspect where he looked at the they showed the horror again of the, the simulation yeah. I thought they were going to go that was the questioning moment and he goes, she is going to just assimilate everyone. She is going to take domination. She is choosing violence. Yeah. You can choose peace. And by coming with me, you become the great grandfather of cybernetics, the yes. great grandfather yeah. of synthetics beyond look at these. But they're not going to do that in episode nine of the show, Chris. They have an episode left next week where he will confront soon and most likely we'll have that conversation agreed like true actually yeah like remember That's, what we've been talking yeah. about the whole season of this show unfortunately the one thing that we've that we have all said we feel has let it down is that it spins the wheels when they could get to a resolution of the story to push it out a little bit yeah this episode ends with them saying exactly what is left to accomplish in episode 10 here's all the players on the board this is what we need to do next week and one of the things they say is soon's in the wind i'm sure we'll see him again and so uh, that is i presume they will get to have a confrontation with him and the confrontation will be a meeting of minds i mean the thing is i prefer and i'm totally on board with what you said there that hadn't even crossed my mind but yeah that counterpoint to mm-hmm. his point on legacy i think would have been really really meaningful yeah. in terms of the next generation and season 1 and and everything to do with that i think that really makes sense um what what you've said there chris and i would have loved that instead as i guess the the reason for it is now with the complication of there must be two Renes. And it's like, so what does that mean? So that we do have this split in the timeline. And yeah, maybe, yeah. so that there will be both the version of soon that has the, the promise from the Borg Queen, uh, because yeah. Rene has uh, failed and also the other timeline. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing, yeah. uh, but, uh, the, the suing that fails effectively, but we get data in the future and yep. and the legacy of that. So mm. maybe that's the only reason why they didn't do that counterpoint. But that would be the obvious thing for Picard to say in that moment because he doesn't know about this cryptic message that's just mm-hmm. come from the Borg Queen. So I, I just, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, no, I, I think it. it's, yeah, it's just one of those things. But I'm totally with you. I absolutely love Brent Spiner yep. and um, and uh, Patrick Stewart together. Yep. Yep. It's just brilliant. Yeah, really good. Right, gentlemen, I think it's about time we finally move on to our main moments, our prime directive. Mm-hmm. Yes, John, do you want to kick us off with yours? Um, not particularly. I think I drew the short straw on what sort of big moment uh, left to get. But um, it's the death of Picard's uh, mother. Mm-hmm. Um, Maman! Oh, Maman! Ma- oh, Maman! Oh, no. Um, Chris, don't, don't do it. No, but exactly. We, we um, were talking about this, that um, <laughs> the way that kid says Maman every time he speaks is so irritating <laughs> it's almost as irritating do you guys remember um the the movie uh the hobbit um which had uh, yes <laughs> um the, the, well the three movies the hobbit which had the kids who kept calling 
their da da over and over again and it was da it da went, da it went through your mind even more than chris just went through my mind when he said that three <laughs> times in a row um, so mama from this from this kid as a reference to the fact that he's playing picard he's french and it's the only <laughs> word that he's clearly been taught to do it it's not on the kids uh, on the kids performance it's not on no. him he's clearly been told this is something you have to say so that people recognize that you're jean-luc picard the french guy that lives in the chateau in, in, in france right that's yeah. so, so you have to say one french word so this is the one you've got pronounce it as often <laughs> as you possibly can it's so irritating. But anyway, yeah. that's not your point. So no, we'll go not, back to your point, but, John. <laughs> but to that point, it's the scenes that he's given because it's always looking for his his mother. Mm-hmm. So he's calling out, but it's in this needy, weak way. And, you know, this idea that Jean-Luc is, ha- has these sort of connection issues and attachment issues uh with his father and his mother. But it, it's just kind of grating because we won't really see that play out and i i think to this point i'm really just don't care that much about what happened to his mother here so far, i had yeah. no connection to mm-hmm. the struggle that she was going through uh the reasons for it and quite frankly just how that was impacting uh, Jean Luc as an adult or as a kid, other than he buried the memory, mm-hmm. um, other than he throws a rock through the observatory window. So the, the death of Picard's mother here interspersed the way it was. I liked some of that. I liked it happening in the background of the present day yeah, where really it cool, connects him to say, Oh, hide and seek. This mm-hmm. is how we can get yeah. away from the drones. I, I, I like those elements to it. Um, yes, we got an explanation of sorts, but it was so shallow in terms of what it delivered mm-hmm. compared to what it should have done, given yes. this is the, 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 the series lead character with a seminal moment in his young life. Mm-hmm. And in the end, I just kind of didn't connect in with it at all and um, even the idea i'll bring you down to the tunnels because you're too overstimulated and you know the darkness and lack of windows will mean that you won't be but like well no i, I just mm. i didn't understand mm. the fascination with the tunnels from her i could understand it from picard as a young kid you know World War Two tunnels, really mm-hmm. exciting. It's like your 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 own den and and all this kind of stuff. And he's stuff. been told he could die a thousand ways by his yeah. father down there. For, if he was a more adventurous seeming kid, you could kind of yeah. see that this would be this world where amazing, exciting for him to get down there. But he seems terrified of his father and seems terrified of the idea that his dad has told him he could die a thousand ways down there. Yeah. Um, and his and his mother is house. his mother is not trying to uh, do anything for Picard here. She's trying to encourage him to come down to this basement where she feels safe or feels secure. But you're right. It's the lightness of touch that's been given to this. They're trying to talk about mental health issues. They're trying to talk about the fact that his mother suffered these mental health issues. We heard it earlier on in the season when he was talking to Rene and trying to encourage her, even if you do suffer with, with these kind of issues, you can still go to greatness. That was a wonderful moment that we talked about with Picard earlier on in the season, but they are so light on their description of what actually is going on with his mother that you're right. I don't feel any connection to that 
storyline. I feel sad that it happened, of course. It's a horrible yes, thing for, absolutely. for a kid of his age to walk in and see his mother who's hung herself. That's an awful thing to have happened. But it's just not... It just doesn't have any resonance the, in, in the show. And I think this week, and I'm not going to spoil the other show that we're covering, Moon Knight, this week we were dealing with a show that has a lot of mental issues being discussed throughout multiple episodes and it's handled so well. All of us are brought to tears by some moments in that episode, uh, that particularly this week. But it it doesn't feel like there's anything there. I think it's how they're structuring the release, the slow release of the story over the course of four or five episodes We've known something happened in this house and we've been trying to guess. We thought it was a bit more sci-fi. We thought something was going on that would connect into the wider yeah. storyline. And it's not connecting at all. And I think because Picard himself keeps pushing that story away every time anybody confronts him, Talon mostly confronts him about it or he confront, he's confronted himself with the story because he keeps pushing it away. It feels so distant now that it was almost this was the inevitable story that was going to be told and it's been told way too slowly. Yeah, way um, too slowly. I mm. mean, actually, the one part of it where th there was some kind of, I think, fresh feeling of it, and again, it's to the power of Patrick Stewart as mm. an actor, was where, you know, he just simply says, she was ill, but I thought she was inspired. Yeah. You know, that... Oh, yeah. That it, you know, she was still his mother. He loved mm -hmm. her. She was the one that would play with him, uh, the hide-and-seek games, the the looking up at the stars. Um, and he was inspired by her, even yeah. though she was carrying these these health issues. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was the bit, for me, that felt most sort of deep and emotional. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it just feels like it was too little yeah. around yeah. this whole storyline and how long it's been going on, yeah. to be honest. Because all I feel this storyline boils down to is the two of them running through dark tunnels and him getting his foot caught in <laughs> in rotten wood. And it's dreadful to say, and I know it's more than that. Yeah. But ultimately, I'm finding it very difficult just to yeah. kind of get past that. Yeah, so for for me, I'm going to jump in on this part now. Here, the, like the the really interesting part of the storyline for me was the the introduction of his father uh, as a psychiatrist, uh, James Callis from Battlestar Galactica. Mm -hmm. um, like it was fun to see that episode, and that storyline part was great. And then the very short flashback of kind of hide and seek, there was a nice kind of touch. The this final reveal. The problem I have is it how it impacts the greater storyline right now. Mm. I.e. the death of his mother, or him causing in his mind by opening that door, the death of his mother, or allowing her, because his father was keeping her locked in for her safety, and by Jean-Luc opening it with that key, he then causes the death of his mother, then inadvertently causing the death of his mother by opening that door and letting her out, how does that impact the greater history and storyline of this season by kind of what is the, the crux of like how it saves Gerati? I I was expecting like it saves Gerati, Renee or something to kind of become opening or was it simply that by that key now, that skeleton key that drops, 
does he now have that? And because he has that, he then hides it, removes it off the board, and then that key is no longer there as a skeleton key. So therefore, Jean-Luc in the future no longer has that key to open the door and cannot let his mother out. Mm. It Like, maybe that's what they're yeah, going to go with. And then that's, therefore, it's like he saved his mother by saving, by reliving that historic tragedy in the past. Maybe. Cool. It's just that reveal, it's not, the, the, like, up until we knew, it's just that death scene, unfortunately, just doesn't pay a pivotal moment. It just, it, it plays the moment for sadness and for Jean-Luc and seeing Sir Patrick Stewart say some of these lines and relive that aspect as just only Jean-Luc can as Sir Patrick Stewart can. But for a story beat, I don't see how it impacts the story. Right. Well, basically, this is coming back to, all the way back to the first episode of the season. Remember, the storyline of Picard, before any of the challenge came in from Q or the attack from the Borg on the ship that destroyed all of the uh, the ships that were out there, the issue for Picard was his age and the fact that he's never been in love Loved. in his life. Yeah. And this is the resolution to that storyline, the conversation he has with Talon after he has the final memory of his mother, the repressed memory, as he says himself, the one thing that he's forced himself to forget over the years is because he loved her so much and couldn't believe that she was so damaged because, exactly to, to the quote that John was talking about, he believed she was, she was amazing, even though she was so damaged she took her own life. Yeah. And Talon is the one that gives closure to that storyline for Picard. She tells him, no matter what, no matter how painful it is, no matter how wonderful it is, no matter how short-lived it is, love is always great. Yeah. Yes. It's it's that moment where he's supposed to now move on with his life, move on yeah. with his ability to love. When he gets back to, to his present day, he will be able to go and talk to the woman that he loves yeah. and finally start a relationship with her after moving on from this. That's what's supposed to be here. But again, as we said, this has taken so long that, as you say, Chris, you've been watching this episode and podcasting on this show all the way through, and you couldn't make that connection with the, that storyline because it's going on for nine episodes yeah. trying to reveal it, that we, we're not seeing that connection back to the first episode it, because what we're expecting in the show like this is they've gone from they've time traveled across the galaxy and we're expecting a storyline here that's that's resolving what's happened in the creation of the Confederation, we're expecting these bigger storylines to be uh, to be talked about or discussed. And what we're actually getting here in the biggest part of this episode is a resolution to something that's in the back of our minds, maybe from episode one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the thing on this, right, he should. Do you know how you close that? You close that with, you're right. I need to tell the woman I love that I love her too. Mm. Boom. Done. And then we all go, oh my God, he's going to tell Lars that he actually loves her too. And mm. that's how you pull it back. Because it is, that's, you're right. That is probably pulling all the way back to that. Yeah. But the unfortunate aspect of just having it at the central crux moment, is it just this as, again, we podcast on a, on a weekly basis on, on based on what we're given in that week. And then at mm -hmm. the end of the season, we kind of look back as a whole. Based on what we got here, it just it feels out of place. 
that's the problem. It feels that it's just resolving something that unresolved or does has no need to be resolved. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I think it's again, it's to the point of the number of spinning plates. And mm. um, yeah, in that there's so many things have happened. Um, that, and this is just one more and you're like, well, how is this connecting? How, you know, does that mean we're going to get back to, you know, uh, 400 years into the future and we're going to get that scene at Chateau Picard with between yeah. Picard and Laris. Um, you know, but there's still Q. There's now this double Rene situation. Um, there's still soon on the table. Mm -hmm. There's yep. still Teresa on the table. Um, and there's still the the situation that happens with the Borg coming through, yeah. uh, and it, it's kind of like, yeah, they they've just done too many threads yes. throughout yeah. this series, yeah. and some of them have gotten diluted for me. Absolutely, yeah, that's fair. and simply the fact that Talon in the, and we saw in the preview after Talon was inside Picard's mind, she's the one that pointed out that. Q wanted him to relive these memories for some reason. There's part of that story. We're going to put a pin on it. We'll come back to it later. They've come back to it later. And this is connected into whether yeah. Picard can love or not, not to resolving the threat of Q, not to yeah. resolving the possibility of the Confederation, not to resolving anything else that I can see. I can't see him coming in next episode and going, Q, if you just loved a little more, then uh, we won't have this situation. Or soon, if you just found more love, then... Um, then we wouldn't be in this situation and we can all go back and, and live our lives and the world will survive. I just can't see this playing in other than to the basic storyline of, of uh, Picard from yeah. episode one. So uh, basically it's going to come into Jean-Luc Picard singing a John Lennon, singing as John Lennon <laughs> to going, love is all you need. Love That's Paul McCarthy. That's actually. Paul McCarthy. Yeah, worse. Wow. <laughs> hey, one Englishman to another, it's fine. Uh, I'm going to jump in here. I'm going to move the, into our kind of the, yeah. one of the next points because it's a small one. But it, it actually has kind of a, a larger impact, but mm. it will feed directly into Derek's kind of main point for this, which is Annika is no more again. We mm. have lost, yes. we, we, we gained Annika and we've lost Annika. She is now reassimilated, not mm. technically uh, as the way that she, not by choice, which is what Gerati has said that the new Borg will do. She, to save her life, she is reassimilated. She has become Borg again. Mm. Um, and it, 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 it's an interesting bit because she, we hear throughout this season so far that she, she feels human again. She, this is what, how, because she was the president of the Confederation, she never had any of those implants. So she has none of those extrasensory board capabilities that she grew up with as a child since when she was assimilated as a, as a kid years ago. Mm. Um, so. It's interesting to see, uh, at, towards the end of this that she is kind of so quick in accepting back. And I suppose it is that kind of, it's like she's unhappy about it, uh, because you do see Picard straight as he, as he speaks to her. He goes, Oh, seven. I'm so sorry. Um, uh, because you, she, you can see she has her kind of her eyepieces back and things. Um, I, 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 I can't tell. I, I didn't look deep enough to see if there was any slight differences, um, mm. because of the difference in technology of assimilation and things like that. Um, but 
didn't look like anything too major. It looked very much like seven of nine. Um, yeah. as you, as we've seen her now, sorry, I should yeah. say, as we've seen her throughout this season or, or last season and the beginning of this season. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little bit confused on this, to be honest. And just because there's so much going on and I'm, I'm not 100% sure what they've done to, yeah. to Annika. And, 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 uh, we, we mentioned it last week that the show seems to be trying to push you to call her Annika. She is completely human, has no connection with the Borg, had never got that because of the path that she went through in this timeline. Um, and then here she's turned back into seven. So I don't think she's part of the Borg collective. I don't think, I think they've restored her to where she was as being an ex Borg. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But not yeah. part of the collective. Cause remember, Gerati takes the ship and, uh, it goes on off to the Delta Quadrant. So, um, if she was part of the collective, she'd be on that ship going with them. Uh, is, is what yeah. I think. So, so I think she was, she fixes her back up. And, yeah. and the price for that is that she has to now look like an ex-Borg. She has to go back to having those implants, but she's not part of the Borg collective here. And that's, that's one of the things. But um, I do love, once again, I mentioned earlier on about Rafi's moment with her, where she's convincing her that she needs to accept this part of her life. Yeah. Um, she has been challenged her whole life because she was uh, added to the collective so young. She was added at such a young age. Um, interestingly here, I, I don't think I'd ever heard this story uh, before uh, where Seven says that she did actually apply for Starfleet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rafi's telling her she'd make an, an amazing captain and she says that she did apply, but they didn't want her involved because of her Borg connection. It makes her more susceptible to, to Borg attacks effectively. Yeah. And even Captain Janeway, her former captain on the Voyager, uh, stepped up and said that she would leave the federation if she wasn't accepted back back into it yeah. um but she chose to go off and, and join the fenric rangers because they still wouldn't accept her to starfleet i thought that was a really interesting uh storyline i'd love to have heard a bit more yeah i i liked that little piece actually mm. i thought it was really good just because of having you know um the the idea of why she is that full-blown ranger you know and i, I love the little uh reference to janeway Mm-hmm. You know, coming in really batting for her, yeah. um, to to try and and get her into uh, the federation, um, and that she tried. So, I, yeah, I really like that little piece here. I like the Rafi's piece as well, um, of you know saying that she has to accept this side of it, and um, so I thought that was really good. I would agree. I don't think she's not in the collective. She's not assimilated, and. Mm. Um, I think she I has just, nanites again in yeah, her body. I just couldn't, she's restored. I didn't know what to say yeah, yeah. in the synopsis, so I just said <laughs> she's um, assimilated. Yeah. Or, uh, but yeah, she's she's definitely um, kind of been sort of moved to the the seven of nine that we know. So yeah. I mean, I thought I'm glad she was saved as well. Yeah, um, she's a great character, mm-hmm. and um, I'm, I'm glad that the uh, Borgatti uh, decided to you know come in and and do that with Agnes uh, laying out a new path for the Borg Queen. Yeah. So perfect segue. So let's move into the major kind of ending, the major mm. episode, the creation of this new Borg Queen, 400 years earlier than ever before, yeah. uh, outside of the Delta Quadrant. Um, and it is what we have kind of said for a while. It, it was it was going to be Jurati. Uh, they, like, it is yeah. Borgati. 
Um, it was inevitable. Absolutely. Yeah. My, my main moment for the episode is, uh, is Jurati uh, and the deal with the Borg Queen, because it is a new Borg um, yeah. that effectively has been created here and completely diffuses the greatest villain in Star Trek, effectively. Um, Ooh, yeah. yeah. If Jurati's uh, if going off and created the Borg from scratch in the Delta Quadrant 400 years before Voyager meet them or 400 years before Q brings them in contact with the Enterprise, effectively, um, they're going to be really different. They're effectively going to be going through the galaxy looking for um, ships that are uh, that are in trouble or with people who are dying aboard and asking them, do they want to be saved and join the collective and create this alliance of uh, of species across the galaxy to work together for the betterment of the galaxy? Um, yeah. Really interesting concept. But does it nullify the greatest enemy because do you take a back to the future line on um on time travel or uh an mcu so it has happened Hmm. and so it still happens i know it's really hard because we're not we don't have the final episode here but we do hear the borg queen saying there will be no need for a borg killer in the future um because we're going to be doing this we're going to be helping people not killing species Agreed. so yeah. uh, the the final line that we're left with this this one of of to succeed there must be two renes one lives and one and one dies again we've been speculating throughout the episode that means there will be two timelines created but i really have no idea that that yeah. line was like okay fine i guess we'll find out next week um yeah. Yeah. because even picard's <laughs> reaction to it was i won't accept an outcome of something that hasn't already happened they're kind of going, but you've come back in time. So has it already happened or not? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We'll find out next week on that. But in here, this arrangement that's made between Jurati and the Borg Queen that they yes. will now go out and seek out, seek out new life, seek out other new civilizations, civilizations. <laughs> to join with a collective that where they're willing participants in the betterment of this new society. Yeah, I think it's really, really cool. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, but it's such a change from Absolutely. what we know from the Borg in the past. I'm not too sure about Jurati's insistence that the reason why the Borg are the way they are is because the Borg Queen is lonely. I thought that was a little bit heavy-handed to try and stuff it into Jurati's storyline because I thought the Borg Queen was effectively the central computer, the CPU of the Borg. Yeah. I didn't think it was a person at the center that was trying to form a collective around themselves because they were lonely. I, I, I'm just not too sure whether that came across very well for me. But overall, I love the idea of convincing the Borg Queen that actually there's a different way to achieve what you're doing and create this amazing assimilated society that all want to work together and all add their unique distinctiveness to the collective to make it better. I love that yeah, idea. Yeah, me, me too. I, I This, for me, was just what I was coming for, to this episode for. Mm. I absolutely loved it. I think it's a really neat resolution to the the Jurati and the Borg Queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked how that's portrayed when they're speaking to one another again. Yeah. Um, and I, I just liked um I liked Jurati's response to, you know, trying to save Seven because we have the Borg Queen trying to effectively finish her off with uh killing her yeah. uh, i liked the the notion that seven was the best of you yeah um, yes. and you know and now you're trying to kill her um and i i, I think I, I kind of i know what you mean about trying to s- connect 
too much Jurati and the Borg Queen in terms of similar motivations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, to me, it's always it, it's that they are different. And mm. So I've kind of I, di- I didn't really link it too much as to what you said, but I agree. It's it, it's it's a little heavy handed, but for me, it's this is the humanity of Jurati saying, you know, rather than assimilate its salvation, it's rather than giving no choice, give them that choice to be uh, saved and give it to people who have um, few options in their life, you know, that, that where they are able to make that choice. Mm. Um, and I liked that it was the people. counter to the Borg Queen saying uh, uh, about organics were, you know, fear and love and it, it's... It's creatures without love that are powerful, the mm. uh, creatures without fear that are conquerors. And so I, I felt that it, it did go a little wider than just linking Jurati and her loneliness to the Queen's loneliness. And mm-hmm. um, because the Queen's loneliness here is a result of the Confederation. So there, there is that side of it, but I, I just felt. I, I liked this idea that in getting into her mind, uh, maybe the reason why we hadn't seen as much Jurati coming out um, whilst the Borg Queen's been doing her thing, that she mm. has been rummaging around, you know, the folders in her CPU brain. Exactly. Uh, to, to go, actually, your outcomes always end in your destruction, yeah. primarily, or, or neutering, because... Um, you force people. Yeah. You you don't have ultimately your organization of the collective is akin to Soviet Russia rather than pure collective action, mm-hmm. where it's willing and 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 being forced into. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And this kind of resolves the Borg storyline now. So Jurati's now off in the Delta Quadrant 400 years before um, the Borg were created, or at least a couple of hundred years before the Borg were created. So that's that's the Borg storyline done. Yeah, We know how that really resolves because Jurati's standing aboard the Stargazer in, in episode one of this season. So um, so we know that where that storyline goes. So I presume we're not seeing Borgati or, or Jurati uh, and the Borg next episode. Um, so now they just have to resolve... What's going on with Renee and what's going on with uh, with Q uh, in the next episode, I guess? What's going on with Renee and what's going on with dead Renee? Mm, exactly. <laughs> what's going on with live Q and dead Q? Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, it'll, it'll be really intriguing to see. Yeah. Any any notes about the episode that we haven't talked about? Anything we haven't uh, discussed on the episode um, as we've gone through our major points? I just very much that this potentially gives a, an actual definitive creation for the Borg. Mm. Uh, there has never been an agreed canonical creation origin of the Borg. Exactly. Uh, they like Guinan said this she that they've been around for thousands of years. Um they there's uh there's been hints and kind of theories out there about it goes all the way back to like the, the one of the first Star Trek films uh and being sucked into a black hole. It's never just directly been stated. Mm-hmm. So this actually gives an origin to the Borg, which is interesting. And a very different type of Borg than we've seen in the, in, in the other shows. Yeah. Though. Or is this the intent is 
that it's supposed to go out and and help save people, and then at some point it does change uh, back. to back to the, yeah, the evil board in the future. Is that, is that the way? But I don't think it will. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Any notes from yourself, John? Uh, not really. Uh, the only thing I've said, Borgatti. I just posit maybe Yorg as well. Could be <laughs> sort of. Oh no! Of Here comes the Yorg. It's, <laughs> it's a bit too Swedish, Chef. <laughs> Yorgy Borgy. Oh no! The Yorgy Borgy are coming. Oh no! Um, <laughs> but that's my only note. Yorg. Okay. Yes, the J from Jurassi. Uh huh. With Org. I got it. Okay, Grant. <laughs> just, 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 just checking. Well, wasn't wasn't that difficult? Um, the only one I wanted to just uh, call out because we didn't in the episode the plan from um, from Seven uh, when she took back the um, the transporters and took back control of the ship from uh, the emergency combat hologram of Elnor. Um, wow, brutal uh, plan! Like these guys were literally just turned in to Borg Jones last episode and her plan was to transport them into the walls oh, of the yeah. chateau. Like yeah. She's literally embedding them in the walls of the chateau, not transport them a couple of hundred miles away off to LA from France or something. It was literally transport them into the walls of the chateau. Well, that's it. Can you imagine the decorators when they were coming to do up Chateau Picard for Jean-Luc and what sort are, of what are all these, these skeletons, skeletons stuck in the wall? Just hanging out the wall. <laughs> Did you build this wall around these people? Because they wouldn't have seen transporters, you know? No. Interesting. No, yeah, definitely. But, gentlemen, I think that's the end of our notes. Mm. So, should we do this? Let's get straight into it. John, what did you think of Star Trek Picard episode 209, Hide and Seek? Uh, Do you know, I thought it was really better, despite being relatively a bit negative in parts on this. I thought this was much better than episode 8. So I actually would give this three and a half fractal Elnors out of five. I mm. loved the fractal Elnor, um, the holographic Elnor. I loved the the whole storyline, the intriguing sort of deal that Jurati does with the Borg Queen. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed Seven of Nines or Onika's journey here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed um, Rafi's moments with Elnor. But there were just parts of it where I was like, I just couldn't kind of summon the will to just connect it in to um, the rest of the series around Rios, um, around Picard's mother. Uh, and I think it's it's actually having an effect on the overall kind of episode for me um, that... It, it it's just not fitting for me. Um, and, you know, trying to think back to episode one with that moment in the chateau and then now and again, I mean, we, we you know, quite often we say, how are they going to resolve this in the final episode? Mm-hmm. I think for me, this is genuinely one moment where I'm saying, how on earth are they going to cover this off without doing a Lord of the Rings ending on it? Um, you know, I mean, they've effectively just created a whole new, um, story of a, a, a Rennie that works and a Rennie that doesn't, hmm. um, ultimately. And it sounds like you're having some indigestion problems. Know, exactly. <laughs> Plus just the simple fact of how are they going to get anywhere? Because yeah. the ship's gone. And so what, you know, I guess they'll just pull out um, some kind of device from Talon's uh, top drawer in her apartment. But, okay. I mean, it, again... She is a space traveler. It is just 
when you've got a 10 episode series mm-hmm. i just think some of this stuff could have happened much earlier Absolutely. so you get a an ending so unfortunately it just colors um this episode for me Mm. but nonetheless i do feel that it's better than episode eight so uh, i give it Mm. yeah three and a half um fractal elners out of five i think before this i was just going to give it a 50 50 of two and a half but i think with the discussion there's certain elements that have yeah i you know i did enjoy that discussing Mm -hmm. it thinking about it um but this was close, you know, to a a, a, a non defend if we we think mm-hmm. um, ultimately. Well, um, okay, yeah. mm. Derek, what about yourself? What did you think of hide and seek? I thought the episode was great. Um, I think I'm a bit worn down by the series, though. Um, at this stage, we it, there's really only been one episode of the season that I didn't like, and that was episode seven, and that was mostly because of how it it trapped them in another loop of another thing going yeah. around, and I think. To your point, John, normally when we get to the end of the season, when we get to this penultimate episode, we go, how is this going to resolve next week? And because we know there is a third season coming and there's going to be loads of cameos from lots of people from Next Generation, that's off the table for me right now because I know they still got another 11 episodes to go. Um, so they don't have to resolve everything next week. They can put a cliffhanger that in the middle of it because we know they filmed yeah. a third season and they can absolutely just roll it over into the next season and have that as the next storyline. Um Unfortunately, um, I, I I just think I liked this particular episode. I don't really like doing reviews of episodes um, as we go. I like kind of getting a whole idea of the season overall. This episode had some great moments in it, had a couple of things I'm, I'm not not particularly happy with. But overall, nine episodes into the season, it feels like the, some of these storylines have dragged so much that their impact has been lost when we get to here. All good reveals all good storylines but it feels like we're we should have hit this part of the episodes earlier on in the season and had loads of other stories and adventures with the characters we really we really like in this show so uh so right now uh yeah i i I give a high rating to the episode i think it's worth watching but i'm i'm happy that we're getting to the end of the season next week how about yourself chris yeah, I can't add much more uh, to what you guys have already said. I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement. It, it, it's a good episode, middling to not, it's not, it's, it's a good middling to great, but as a season, it is starting to drag. And I do feel, as you have said, we know there's a season three. Mm-hmm. I believe we're going to get an, um, uh, an Empire Strikes Back style ending. I believe they're going to leave us with a somewhat kind of down, on their luck, how do they get out of this ending for everyone's still stuck? Mm-hmm. Either stuck back in time or they go back to the future and it is not what they want and everything's bad. I think that's where we end. I think we will end up just also losing some story threads. They, they may end up, the, the emotional impact they wanted, which again, no one sets out to write a storyline that isn't impactful. No That's one fair. sets out to write a bad piece of TV mm-hmm. or bad uh, script or anything like that. It just sometimes happens when you end up pushing this out. So I do believe there's going to be some resolutions next season. I think also there's going to be um, just there was the impact of COVID. Um, it's, it's noticeable uh-huh. on a lot of aspects of this season, this show, yeah. and even this episode where you had hundreds of well not hundreds so where we had 20s we had at least in the high tens of people soldiers being 
put in. And then we saw three of them get transported into the wall. Yeah. And then there was still two on the ship. Like, there was not that many overall, but that's, again, just COVID aspects. Yeah. So, interesting enough, I, I, I'm looking forward to see how they resolve this. And yeah. I just, I, I'm worried right now, in the last 40 to 58 minutes of the show itself for this season, how much we get yeah. resolution wise. The blame really has to be on production, doesn't it? And, and the studio paramount, because I think so. There had yeah. to have become a point during filming of this show where restrictions were so tight and the production had been delayed so much that they had a decision to make. Either we go ahead and film this or we stop production like every other production has done out there. And they decided to push the pedal to the metal and go ahead and film what they could at this time and restrict their creativity and pull things back and change storylines so that they could they could film with three people instead of having bigger scenes yeah. so that they could meet a production deadline and it's so noticeable it's yeah uh, we've seen loads of shows now there's loads of shows that were filmed during this period um or a little later maybe a month or two later that are now out there's movies that are in the cinema that have been filmed during this period and none of them have felt so much like as as you said, John, when we were watching those ep- those moments with Rios, where you're going, well, clearly he's in a bubble with those three people, and they they live together and they work together, so they have to do something to write Rios back into the bubble with those other two people, so that he doesn't infect anybody with COVID, because that's what they were all worried about at this particular moment in time. And it's so noticeable that you just go, should you have filmed it or should you have gone? This is such a premium that we have. Patrick Stewart back on board for a Star Trek season. Maybe we should hold off on filming Star Trek Picard for a couple more months and see if restrictions ease. And it just feels like they push through and the end product is cheapened because of it. Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately, so. So anyway. let us all. <laughs> let's head to 10 forward and raise a glass mm-hmm. to what could have been, what is instead, with the one and only 10 forward pub quiz. Uh, John, take it away. Yes, uh, fellow quizzes, fellow Trekkies, 10 Forward Pub Quiz, question nine. Mm-hmm. In Chateau Picard, as Raffian 7 prepare to storm La Serena, what three weapons do they have to take on the dozen Borg drones that stand in their way? Excellent, excellent. Um, and representative weapons, let's say. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's, yes. A, it's a good scene. Uh, check, yeah. it, uh, check it out write down the answers email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with all the answers for all the questions for the season you'd be in with a chance to win some Picard goodies John do you want to give the question one more time certainly in Chateau Picard as Raffian 7 prepare to storm La Serena what three weapons do they have to take on the dozen Borg drones that stand in their way excellent we got answer some feedback guys yes let us boldly do go it. Where we go on every podcast mm-hmm. yeah. to the feedback section. Aren't we really lucky? We are. Absolutely. Yes. If you would like to send us feedback to um, for this episode or well, actually for the next episode and the season in general, don't forget you can send it to feedback at TV Podcast Industries and we will read it out. You can also get your voice on the air by recording a, a quick clip of your thoughts and emailing it to feedback at TV Podcast Industries or head on over to our website where you can record up to 90 seconds of your thoughts for this season at TV Podcast Industries dot com. 
We have our first email for this episode, and it's from the one and only Victor Von Doom, who had this to say. Greetings, Trekkies. Finally, a plot-moving and action-filled episode. Picard chose a wrong time to have a therapy interlude, but Q <laughs> forced the issues. Mm-hmm. Why is there no mention of Picard's older brother, Robert? I know they were not close, so perhaps Picard blocked him from memory? The story of his mother was most tragic. The acting muscle in this episode is prevalent. Mm-hmm. Brent Spiner, Sir Patrick, and all the rest are on fire. Seven regaining her board game plans was a bit sad, but would she not have them upon returning to the future? Mm-hmm. Raffi seeing Elnor's hologram must have been joyous and painful, although nice to see him in action. I cheered when he found his sword. The Queen and Gerardi confrontations were also gripping. Despite a kinder, gentler Borg emerging, I would like to see Q and the Borg finally put to bed soon. Mm-hmm. What was meant by the Queen Gerardi's message to Picard? Perhaps Q could be of some use. Waiting to see how two and A's will come about. Eagerly awaiting the season finale, TVPI podcast, and Trekkie's feedback. Peace and love, Victor Von Doom. Mm. Thanks, Victor. Yes, thank you so much, Victor. And yeah, I think we're all eagerly awaiting the the season finale. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, I think there was a mention of uh, of Robert Picard back um, in the first time we had Picard talking to his mom. She was saying that her the father is off planet. I think she said Robert was away in school or away in college. Um, so it's just the two of them alone together uh, in Chateau Picard. I think that's the only mention we've had of Picard's brother. It was just a kind of offhand. Uh, comment so he's probably still away in boarding school or still away in college or something like that i think that's uh that's all we have uh about him yeah and i i think um you know uh the the bugatti's message to picard is anyone's guess we'll see how that plays yeah. out uh in the next episode and yes i'm with you on the the sword find by elnor very um, cool. I, I kind of wanted to do a knight of the round table type lofting the swords <laughs> up um, in 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 cheer with, yes. with Elmer, it's, it's very cool. Yeah, kind of like that, but maybe not so Hazari. <laughs> thanks so much, Victor. Good yeah, to thanks, hear from Victor. you. Uh, we have some Facebook feedback as well, and um, we got some feedback from Richard Blaze, who says, "I completely agree with John from last week's podcast, and feel there are far too many threads that are being drawn out just to." ensure the series can hit the 10 episode mark maybe covid did have a far bigger impact than we could imagine series two is like that difficult second album you follow an artist and like their work and are eager for every morsel of new music when you listen to the debut album you realize most of them are killer tracks with few filler thrown in then the second album hits it's rushed and comes quickly and listening to it you realize it's the total opposite mostly filler tracks with the odd killer the singles you are familiar with and you long for the third album to reach the dizzy heights you know they can achieve before they implode into the inevitable drug fuel breakup <laughs> and bitter legal wrangling of who created what. Anyhow, the latest episode feels like a huge jump from previous weeks. Suddenly, Gerardi has an army. Last week, she had a few generic butch humans in black, which, as all good movie buffs know, denotes special forces. Now she has enough of them to surround the vineyard. <laughs> The Borg Queen's plan makes real sense now with a throwaway line about the Confederation. That's all she knows in this universe, and she wants to prevent it. If they were to play with this, you'd feel more sympathy for her, and you could almost reason it. She doesn't want that future too, but it's just cast aside and almost makes her feel like a generic big bad of the series, something I've never felt about the Borg. 
rest of the episode plays out like a typical penultimate episode. Familiar faces saying they may not survive, a hero trying to do some doo-wop thing to save their friends, a pretend bad guy offering to talk, links back to what's been teased in previous episodes, the big bad hardly appearing to allow for the grand entrance and to carry the big finale. Interrupted exposition, pretend big bad walking slowly to camera, the forced return of a character who left, died in an earlier episode or earlier season... The line, whatever you do, do it faster. When, oh my god. <laughs> when one main character is injured severely, another main character is only injured in a minor way, despite the fact that they both should have been injured severely in the original way. The big bad being persuaded not to go through with their final maniacal plan due to them being reasoned with, main characters being in danger, but mysteriously time is drawn out so they survive. Tears. Maybe I'm just being too harsh in this series. Bad Star Trek is better than no Star Trek, but really think they missed an opportunity to look at Picard's new role in the universe after the end of series one and what the synthetics role could now be and how they could become accepted again to move the Federation forward. Maybe even getting closer to what happened in Discovery season three. Or was that in a different timeline? The story about Picard's mum at the end is really strong and I'm glad it was just life and not anything to do with them bringing anything back from the future. It's a child's view and the making of who he was to become and I thought it was a real highlight of the series. I'll bet it didn't need the horror atmosphere built around it at the beginning. Gerati slash Borg, I'm not buying it. It feels as a character she's the one who's been really shortchanged. Making her join with the Borg makes them seem really easy to defeat and robs her of her individuality. I want a redemption from her and acceptance of who she is. This feels like she's still running away. On the plus side, I stayed awake during the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Richard. I absolutely loved the uh your uh your breakdown and your thoughts of how this was a essentially a band and an album i think Mm. really are it is the second album and we know we're getting this third one we know it is going to be the dizzying heights before the inevitable drug fuel breakup and i (laughs) love that one i I really want to see patrick stewart on mushrooms i think it would just be amazing (laughs) interesting Yeah. yeah thanks richard and i really actually get what you're saying about the synthetic angle here um like it's almost been ignored yeah, um, totally and or I, awkwardly yeah. discussed and Exa- you think exactly. actually just... they could have built the second season mm. around that um with even with the borg and with q but just had this more of um you know, a much more central thing because even though I've liked Issa Brionis, uh, uh-huh. you know, when she's been in this uh, series, ultimately that huge character, central character along with Picard, mm-hmm. has been reduced to just almost cameo moments yeah. and throughout this whole series. And I, I think that's kind of, um, I guess, a, a interesting way and uh, so yeah i i can connect in with what you're saying there for sure yeah it, it, it's what's been happening throughout the series oh isabriones lives in wherever she lives and we film in california we only get two days with her because of covid restrictions so how can we write her into the story for those two days that's that's how this whole season has felt yeah uh, unfortunately uh but great thoughts richard um one more episode to go in this season let's hope there's a big uptick in quality in season three or a big uptick in what they want to accomplish with this show when they have one final opportunity to have Patrick Stewart playing 
this role of Jean-Luc Picard Absolutely. in one final season. Um, we, of yeah. course, we're going to get the we get the Riker maneuver. We get a, a Klingon. It's going to be amazing. I'm not going to anticipate, Chris, uh, what they're going to write next season. I tried tried that this season. um, I'm consistently surprised at what we're getting. Let's say that. Yep. Thanks again, Richard. Um, Heather Wallace says, Am I expecting too much in hoping that the storyline of Picard's mother has some bearing in the finale? Maybe the understanding Picard has gained will help convince Q of something. Mm. Otherwise, it's been an emotional storyline that showcases Patrick Stewart's acting and gave a good guest role for James Callis, but added nothing to the plot. It was good to see Elnor, albeit in holographic form. I did wonder at the practicality of giving secret information to a simulation of the crew member with absolute candor. I'm sure the Queen (laughs) would have created a situation where he had to give it up out of honesty. Also, not sure why the soldiers were firing bullets at a light-based hologram. Maybe they were trying to destroy the mobile hollow emitter. I promised myself I wouldn't comment on Rhys's romantic subplot, so this is me being quiet about it. But please give him something great to do in the finale. <laughs> Thank you so much, Heather. And what a great catch there about giving um, the information uh, to uh, Elnor and his absolute candor. Yeah. Uh, it, it seems as though maybe she could switch that off um, with with the fractal uh holographic Elnor that that we get but uh, that is a good point but wouldn't that be great writing though Agnes Strati is inside the Borg the Borg Queen knows everything about all of these crew members so she does convince this version of Elnor to give up the key because definitely she knows all about him wouldn't that be great writing to be able to actually incorporate that into the show yeah rather than stab through uh, hollow emitter and uh, cancel the uh, the uh, emergency combat hologram definitely you although know? even even just that classic you know moment where Dratty tells the Borg queen about the whole fractal mm-hmm. key and the hologram and then makes the hologram appear so it that was also a bit of like, like this is what I've done to stall you. Um, instead of you having to try and figure it out in my own mind, I'm going to actually just lay it out to you and yeah. also invite said fractal key uh, directly into your presence. Yeah. So, again, it's one of those crazy sort of bad guy things, isn't it, I guess, that happens where they lay it all out in a sense. Although in this case, it's, it's I the good guess, guy. That's the, good the twist. Guy, That's um, the twist. Telling the bad Borg, here's what I've done to stop you. Yeah. Oh, and here's the thing. Now go after it. Thank you so much, Heather. We have one final piece of feedback from Joe Herbers, who had this to say. This season started out promising, and while it's still better than season one, it's been disappointing overall. The serialized approach of new Star Trek just isn't working out. Filming was long delayed due to the pandemic, so they said they had time to rewrite. Maybe they shouldn't have. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I think I think we're all coming to that realization. I think everyone, and again, we all love Star Trek. We're all Trekkers, Trekkies, and everything in between. And I think it's just, I think we're all starting to see some of the cracks due to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, hey, look, I, I, I think um, many people have said it. Uh, any Star Trek is better than no Star Trek, and I'm happy for it here sometimes. Mm, but I, but as I say, it's starting to cheapen 
um, what they could have had available by pushing through with yeah. the card. Like Star Trek Discovery, loads of great episodes, loads of great seasons of that show. Star Trek Lower Decks is a great show, oh, really yes. fun yeah. uh, version of Star Trek. Um, there's Star Trek Strange New Worlds coming out for uh, US <sighs> residents Looks next week. Amazing. Unfortunately, we won't get that until later, the, later in the year because of bloody Paramount again. Um, but there is loads of great weekly serialized Star Trek out there. And yeah, it's unfortunate that Picard has suffered, I feel, the most from yeah. Yeah, where, how it's been produced. We've got one more episode to go. I feel if we keep talking about this show as we've been talking about it, we're going to get more and more frustrated <laughs> at the way it's been delivered. So thanks to all of our wonderful fellow Trekkies for their feedback for the episode. Stick with us. One more episode to go. We're all crossing fingers. It's going to be a great season finale uh, when it comes out next week. Thanks so much for joining with us. This episode of TV Podcast Industries was brought to you by our supporters over on Patreon and all of our supporters for the podcast, including Anthony Osler. Thanks so much, Anthony, for your support over on Patreon. Yeah, thank you, Anthony. Yeah, appreciate it, Anthony. And if you'd like to support us for a monthly amount, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Industries. Or if you'd like to support us with a one-off donation, you can pop on over to buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI and buy the, our illustrious commander-in-chief, our number one a coffee. Yes, Derek. <laughs> yes, we will be back next week with Star Trek Picard Season 2 finale, uh, along with your feedback on the show and the final question for our 10 Forward pub quiz. So please make sure you join us, fellow Trekkies. And next week, we'll be concluding our podcast about Marvel's Moon Knight starring Oscar Isaac and Oscar Isaac and maybe a third Oscar Isaac. Who knows? Yes, the final episode comes out on May 4th on Disney+, Plus. so make sure you join us next week for that. But for now, fellow Trekkies, Trekkers, thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Yeah, thank you so much, fellow Trekkies, for joining us. As always, it's great chatting about Star Trek Picard, even if it is a little frustrating uh, from time to time. But remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep trekking. Bye. Bye.